one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here, goodbye baseball. Eight Hit strikeouts it. for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Felix. Strike three called on the outside corner and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being back once again. Gary Hill with you. Thanks for being here as the Mariners. Well, that was really, really impressive as the Mariners beat the O's in two of three games in Baltimore. One of the best teams in baseball and a perfect fit for that ballpark. That is a tough place to pitch in, especially against that middle of the lineup. And the Mariners did a sensational job. Some numbers on that coming up. Uh, the highlights here in a moment. But just an overall great three-game trip. Baltimore bashes the ball around, but for the most part, the Mariners didn't let them do it. So we'll break it down in a moment. We're going to hear from a couple of catchers. One former, one current in this edition of the podcast. Shannon Dreyer will sit down with Steve Clevenger from Baltimore, so that's a fun conversation. And Rick Riz talks with Dan Wilson about catching, so that comes up as well. And we'll get you ready for the matchup this weekend, interleague play as the Mariners fly to Cincinnati to take on the Reds' three-game weekend series. And we'll take a close look at that and see if the Mariners can take advantage of what is going on in Cincinnati. It is pretty amazing. So we'll look at that in a moment. Let's talk about, uh, it's been two days. No podcast yesterday with 9 a.m. baseball. So the Mariners lose game two of the series to Baltimore, 5-2. to two. Chris Tillman pretty good again. The uh, Mariners do get him for one home run, but for the most part, he keeps him in the yard. He improves to 6-1 and one as he gives up a couple of runs in six and a third innings. Britton comes on. One of the best closers in the game and really, kind of an undervalued guy in terms of closer conversations Britain not a name that usually comes up but he's been solid for a number of years now heavy ground ball guys a pretty wicked stuff he comes on for the final inning and two-thirds five out save when things were getting pretty interesting to close down the Mariners for a five to two win so the series was on the line in game three Carnes on the hill and Carnes was pretty good. I'd say more than pretty good against this offense. Five innings pitched, four hits, one run, no walks, five strikeouts, and 89 pitches. I think you would take that every single time. His ERA now lowered to 3.33 on the season. Bullpen does an excellent job as well. And the Mariners, they broke out the sticks, and they played a little long ball once again. The M's. Well, they do what has become a trend. They keep scoring in the first innings of ball games. It, it keeps happening, and it happened against Baltimore yesterday. They have one of the best plus-minus first innings in baseball. So it's been a great way to start games. It's been, I think, important to this stretch. So the Mariners are one nothing lead. Baltimore would tie it, though, in the second. So it was 1-1 one -one until the fifth inning. Here is the set by Wilson. Delivers, swing and a fly ball deep to left field. Rickard going back, looking up, and this one is going to be off the wall. Marte running third. He'll score the throw to second. Sliding is Smith, and he is out at second base. Rickard's throw to Jonathan Scope in time to get Smith at second. 
trying to stretch that RBI single into a double. He's out at second on a great throw by Rickard. But Marte scores. The run counts. And the Mariners have the lead as the side is retired. So two to one at that point. The Mariners have a lead. But what you have to like of what the Mariners have done this season is they've played add-on late, and they played some big add-on in this one. Wilson deals to Lynn. Pitch swung on and driven to left field. That'll be plenty deep. It's got some carry on the track. Looking up. It's gone. A three-run homer for Adam Lynn. Adam, baby. Adam Lynn with a three-run jack. And the Mariners have a 5-1 lead. Joey Richter just kept running out of room. And that ball carried out of here for Adam Lynn. That's his third home run. RBIs 10, 11, and 12. Welcome, sight there. Yeah, that was a big one. A three-run blast for Lind. The Mariners expand the lead, and they needed those runs. Things got pretty interesting in the eighth. Benoit on for the first time in a while, uh, nearly a month, as he takes the hill. And Baltimore scored one, but he was able to get off the hook. Benoit looking for the final out here in the eighth. And again, the 2-2 to Davis swing and a high fly ball in the center field. But Martin going back, he's there. Plenty of room in front of the warning track. And Martin makes the catch. And that will retire the side. Folks in Seattle and the Northwest, take a breath. <laughs> Absolutely. And then what was a safe situation was turned into a non-safe situation. Thanks to Leonis Martin. The pitch of the way, swing and a well hit ball deep to right field. Ryan Flaherty to the one track to the wall, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Ricochets into the front row and farther back into the bleachers. Leonis Martin with a two out, two run home run here in the top of the ninth inning. And it's now the Mariners seven and the Orioles two. Yeah, so for Martin. He drills his seventh home run. He's now just one shy of his career high. His career high is eight. And already he's knocking on the door. He's on pace for 28 home runs this year. Keep in mind, with Texas, he had 20 in 429 games. He continues to pack a punch at the end of the order for the Mariners. And that's something that should not go overlooked is the bottom of the order the stars in the middle have really carried the load I mean they have been sensational we've talked about Cano and Cruz and Seager and what they're doing offensively but the lineup so much longer this year and partly because of how effective the seven eight and nine hitters have been this year they've combined as a group to hit 15 home runs this season that's the second most for any seven eight nine group in the American League but they've also drawn 39 walks as a group. That's the third most in the American League. So they're hitting for power. They're also getting on base, and they were big in this ball game. Marte, the eighth hitter in the order last night, two for three, scored twice, walked. Martin, two for three, walked, hit the two-run home run. So the bottom of the order, seven, eight, nine, has really been effective, especially in comparison to some years past. It's really lengthened the lineup, and – they're getting on base for the top of the order. They're flipping it at the top. Guys in the middle are getting more at-bats, getting more opportunities, and it's really just feeding onto itself. But I, I think that's big time, I mean, especially the walks. I mean, the power is great. 
Don't get me wrong. The home runs are fantastic. But just getting on base and keeping the lineup churning, putting rallies together, uh, they're a very dangerous ball club when that's happening. So impressive stuff. Here was Martine after the game talking about uh, the swing. Yeah, it was a good swing. Yeah. Did you think it was out? Um, didn't know, man. It was either a little bit in the end of the back, but small ballpark. Thanks, guys. But it was gone. Yeah, how about coming in here one or two out of three? That's These amazing. guys are tough, tough to play here. That's amazing, man. Like I say, try to win a series and, you know, try to fight every single game. You know, the pitch is doing outstanding job. That's all about. Why are you guys so tough on the road? I mean, you haven't lost a series this year. What is it? Do you feel more comfortable, or is it just the way the ball is going? No, it goes, you know, like I said, we fight, we try to fight every single game. That's, we do the same thing in the home games, but, you know, no matter what, the thing is, try to win in ball games. You know, you, you're playing every day, and they've kind of just said, you're playing so much good. Does it help you relax at the plate at all, knowing that, you know, this is your job and everything like that? Yeah, for sure. That's one of the best important things I got right now, you know. Every single day, prepare myself to, to, to play. I know my name is going to be in the lineup. And, you know, Scotty, give me the, give me the confidence to be... To, to record myself after the grand long, you know, and give me a coffee to play every day, man. That's, that's amazing. There was Martin talking about it, and the Mariners would finish off the game and finish off the series. The 2-1 pitch. Swing and a ground ball way out to Cano in shallow right field. Gobbles it up. The throw to first. In time to get Alvarez, and this ball game is over. The Mariners win it. 7-2 over the Orioles this afternoon here in Baltimore. They win the series two games to one, and that's what the Mariners have been doing. They have won eight of their last ten series. Eight of the last ten series. They've been on a roll, and I think this is a really nice series win. Against a really good team at their, at their ballpark, great bounce back. And the pitching, the offense will get a lot of the attention for good reason. The pitching in this three-game series was tremendous the reason I say that, you have Machado, who's having an MVP-type season. Adam Jones, dangerous. Davis can knock the ball out of the yard and any at-bat. Those three have combined for massive numbers this year, especially in that ballpark. The combination in this three-game series of Machado, Jones, and Davis went two for 30 with no home runs and one RBI. I think those numbers are mind-boggling. That is great work by not only the pitching staff, but also the coaching staff as well. Clearly good game plan going in against the three and well executed along the way. That is tremendous stuff to keep those three so quiet. And a big reason why Mariners took two or three. It's just it, it's nearly mission impossible in that park. But the Mariners did it. Fantastic stuff. One more thing I want to mention, too that I don't think should go overlooked. The bullpen, an outstanding job. Benoit gave up a run, but uh, for the most part, uh, really good job by the pen as Carnes goes five. Nick Vincent should be singled out. What Benoit did that shouldn't be overlooked either is just him being back certainly gives Scott Service more flexibility when it comes to playing mix and match and when to bring guys in because 
Carnes pitched five. Vincent was able to come in and face some pretty heavy hitters, which is really great against a team like Baltimore with a lot of right-handed suck because Vincent is just demolishing righties right now, just crushing them. Vincent, uh, opponents now right-handed hitters, batting a buck twenty-five against him, five for forty with fifteen strikeouts and one walk. He has been giant, and with Benoit in the eighth, Cishek in the ninth, you can really do a job of spotting him in big situations. Vincent ends up going an inning and two-thirds, facing mostly righties, gives up one single to Trumbo, got one strikeout, but that's it. I mean, he's been nails out of the pen. Nuno comes in to get a batter, then Benoit, Cishek, very nice ninth inning, striking out two, not giving up a hit or a run or a walk. So just good stuff all the way around. And, in fact, Nathan Carnes talked about it after the game, and I think he even mentioned it was a good team win. I just felt a little out of rhythm for the most part. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those games throughout the year where it just doesn't feel as comfortable as you normally do, but, you know, we just try to battle through it. And the biggest thing for me was trying to not compound the problem by walking people, like you said. So, you know, whatever I could throw up there for a strike I was throwing, um, I'm not even sure how many curveballs I threw, but for the most part, I felt like my curveball was there for me, and at times it got me out of trouble. You guys did so well. Look at the two, three, four hitters, how dangerous they are. Only mm-hmm. two hits combined this series. What did you do? What was the key to getting those guys out, especially those guys? Um, you know, we worked uh, to their cold spots, you know, low and away, um, try to keep them honest, pitch them in at the same time, and, uh, you know, let force those guys to swing at strikes that they're not comfortable swinging at. And I think we did a good job of that. Um, you know, tip my hat to Pedro Alvarez. Um, you know, fastball up and in. You know, I was just trying to, you know, jam and whatnot. But you know, it, it was off the plate, and he able to do what he can do and stay inside the ball. So uh, you know, outside of that, I feel like we did a good job. Our offense came up clutch. Adam Lynn with the three-run home run, really kind of gave us some breathing room there in the uh, the sixth inning. So you know, and our bullpen came down and shut it down. So that's just a quality team win right there. Yep. Quality team win, no question about it. That is a solid win for the Mariners and a nice series win for the M's. Here with Scott Service talking about it. We've played well on the road. We have a lot of confidence. Uh, our starting pitchers have kept us in games, and we've gotten a lot of big hits on the road. We really have, uh, you know, a few extra home runs on the road. Uh, it's benefited us, especially coming to the East Coast. Uh, we, we've swung the bats well. That's the key. you got to hit on the road to win, and we have. I believe you're 16 and six when you score first in a game, and that's uh, we saw that again today. Just what do you see in that first inning and getting that run and, and the effect? Well, the thing that's exciting for me, we're we're ready to play. You know, we're prepared to play. We have an idea. Uh, Edgar, uh, our entire staff, gets our guys ready. But what to expect early in the game? We're not playing our way into the game. Where you look up and now it's the fourth or fifth inning. So it's important for us. It's important for any team. You know, when you get jump out ahead, it, it settles everybody down, and especially the starting pitcher. Right. Leonis is a difference maker in center field, but getting some production from him at the plate, how important is that? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, good for him. I'm happy for him. I mean, you know, these guys, I mean, as good as defenders as some of these guys are, they still want to hit and they want to contribute offensively. And, and he certainly has, you know, a nice day today. You know, nice single to, to left field and obviously the big home run late. So there it is. Mariners take a series on to Cincinnati tonight. The Mariners. 23-17 and 17 now on the season. First place in the West, taking on a struggling Cincinnati ball club in the Central. They're in last 15-26 and 26 on the season. They've lost four games in a row. They've been better at home than on the road, just 3-14 and 14 on the road. They're 500 at home, 12-12 12 12 so far. 
I've been watching Cincinnati closely this season because, well, their bullpen has has fascinated me for a number of reasons. One is I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it in terms of their bullpen. And if you haven't been following closely, it it has been a, a struggle is probably not the word. It's been a massive struggle. I don't, I don't even know what to say. It, here, I'll put it like this. The Reds' bullpen this year has given up 110 runs on the season in 41 games. I mean, they went weeks giving up a run every single game, literally every single game. 110 earned runs. The next the next most runs a bullpen has given up, the Rangers, 80. I mean, that's 30 more runs. But to put it in even more perspective, I think, so the Reds have given up 110 runs, just their bullpen. That's just the pen. The Mariners' entire pitching staff has given up 131. That's pretty close. The difference is the Mariners have given up 131 in 360 innings this year. Meanwhile, the Reds' bullpen, they've given up 110 in runs in 152 innings. It's been a unit that has really struggled. Part of it, part of the reason, they've had a heavy workload. They've pitched the second most innings of any pen in baseball just behind the Diamondbacks. And again, to give you a little Mariners comparison, Mariners pen has thrown 121 innings, the Reds 152. I mean, that's a wide margin in, you know, 40-plus games. I mean, that's... It's getting to be an inning a ball game, which can really add up. So what's going on is the Reds' rotation, it's on the DL, essentially. I mean, they're missing their opening day starter. They're, they're top two in the rotation. Uh, they're hoping to get Homer Bailey back. He's not ready to be back. They literally have five starters on the DL right now. To compound that, Leak, Mike Leak left in free agency after last year. Also, they traded Johnny Cueto. So they're pretty thin right now. A lot of young guys in the rotation. They have a couple of really good starters that are on the DL, so they are not available for this series coming up. Also, Chapman out of the the mix in terms of bullpen, and they have not been able to find anyone to lock down the ninth inning. They have rifled through closers. I mean, it's been like shuffling cards to try and find a closer so far for the Reds. So that being said, it is a road series, and those are never easy to win in Major League Baseball. But the Mariners have a chance, I think, to do some damage against a pitching staff that has struggled, and the Mariners are red hot offensively, getting production up and down. A little bit different with the pitcher in the lineup now. No DH, but Nelson Cruz sounds like he'll be in right field for all three games of the series. So that's one bat out of the lineup. But you got to like the matchups on paper. Iwakuma will take the ball tonight 410 first pitch he'll go against Dan Straley who I think we're familiar with from the Oakland A's Straley he's had a nice t- season he stepped into the rotation two and one three zero five ERA Iwakuma one and four a four three eight and then a 110 first pitch on Saturday the King Felix Hernandez he has been dominant in interleague play especially in National League parks he has been so good nine and one with an ERA hovering about two and current NL teams at their parks. 3-3 three and three on the season, 2-4-7 ERA against promising lefty John Lamb, 
who's 0-1 with a 5-7-9 ERA. He had off-season back surgery, and he's trying to bounce back. Just a couple of starts under his belt. And then 10-10, first pitch on Sunday. Wade Miley, 4-2, 4-3-2 ERA. Goes against Alfredo Simon, 1-4, a 10.34 ERA. They signed Simon to try and fill that void in the rotation, and he has struggled. So, again, road series, never easy to win, but you got to like some of the matchups, and especially with the way the Mariners are playing baseball. So, looking forward to a big three-game set. Right now, as the Mariners jet away from Baltimore, we're going to hand it over to Shannon Dreher, who had a chance to catch up with someone from Baltimore, who's now a Seattle Mariner. Steve, I, this is home. I, what's it like to come home in a different uniform? Um, it's a little weird, but uh, at the same time, it's always come good to come home and uh, visit with the family and my mom and uh, spend a little time you know, here in Maryland. I asked Steve Johnson this the other day, but what's the thing that you have to do when you're home? What is, what is your favorite part about being here? Getting some crabs. <laughs> so, yeah, anytime I can get home and get some crabs or eat a crab cake, you know, it's always good. Okay, have you had a chance to try the Dungeness or anything in Seattle? I have, I have, but I'm still a Maryland blue crab guy. Yeah, this could be a bitter feud. I mean, it's people who just really get on both sides of it. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're both good, but, you know, I'm from here and I stick by the blue crab. Well, that's a good thing right there. Hey, another thing that I talked about with Steve was you guys, uh, this is, you've got connections to everybody in baseball starting before you got into big league baseball. You and Steve actually played together and against each other, I believe, as kids? Yeah, uh, you know, we grew up playing on the same, like, scout teams and travel teams, and, uh, you know, he went to a rival high school um, that I went to, so we've been playing against each other for a very long time. Baseball seemed pretty good here for the kids? Oh, yeah, you know, it's pretty good. I think it's starting to get a little bit better, um, you know, with the with the travel ball and stuff. Um, you know, when I was a little bit younger, you know, baseball wasn't a big thing here, but, uh, you know, it's been getting better the last couple of years. And what turned you to baseball? Um... You know, just I've always loved it. You know, being you know a couple minutes from Camden Yards and being able to walk and watch uh, the old Oriole teams play. You know, it just just had a passion for it. What's the biggest moment you remember watching as a fan? Uh, definitely the twenty-one thirty-one game. Um, I was here when Cal broke the record. Um, you know, it was awesome. Were you a big Cal fan? Definitely a big Cal fan. Uh, but my first favorite Oriole, Joe Orslack. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Joe That's the name, right? Yeah, it there. is. <laughs> how did you just get his baseball card? Or um, no, left-handed hitter. You know, okay. I grew up being left-handed, and Joe, uh, you know, was on the teams at the time, and I really like how he played the game. Fantastic. Now you're playing the game today, a little bit different than it was back then. What are the things that you do in between games? What are the things that you work on? Um, you know, I just try to catch as many bullpens as I can to work, keep my uh, catching skills sharp, and anytime I get a chance to take BP or early BP, you know, I'm out there swinging the bat. So anything I possibly can do to, you know, get ready for when it's my turn to play, I, you know, I do it. The guy who's going today, Nathan Carnes, I, I think that he's a guy that we didn't know a ton about coming into the season. And it would appear that, you know, he's made some strides since the beginning of spring training. What have you seen from him from then to now? Um, you know, I think he's getting, he's getting more confidence. He's getting more comfortable, I think, you know, getting out there, getting more comfortable with me and Chris. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's going out there having fun I think instead of trying to find it I think you know he, he's got his confidence going right now and uh, you know he just needs to continue to pitch the way he's pitching. One of the things with pitchers and it's funny he comes from Tampa and one of the things that they did there is they didn't like their pitchers to face a lineup a third time. Uh, some go with that school of thought obviously pitchers are going to want to be out there longer. What's the key to getting them through after you after a hitter has seen you a few um, you know, not really wasting too many pitches early in the game, I think. You know, can travel, uh, make you go deeper in the game, you know, with pitch count and, uh, 
you know, maybe not showing your whole arsenal, you know, first couple times around the lineup, you know, save that one pitch for, you know, third time around that I hadn't seen in case you need it. Um, but if you're just rolling, I mean, there's no point of changing things when, uh, you know, when things are going good. But I think, you know, keeping a pitch for later in the ball game is good, but sometimes you, you can't do that. Sometimes you need to just go out and, and use your whole arsenal from the get-go. So in your mind, when you're working with a guy, you're holding something back? Yeah, you know, I try to. You know, I try to hold a pitch back, you know, for later in the ball game, even the second time around the uh, lineup, make it a little bit easier. But, uh, you know, when you need them, you need them. So sometimes it just happens where you just got to use everything from the get-go. Oh, it's good to see you behind the plate. Good to see you working with them. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for having me. And now from a current Mariners catcher to a former Mariners catcher, here's Rick Riz and Dan Wilson chance to visit with the former Mariner catcher Dan Wilson now the defensive coordinator for the Mariners organization a chance to go around to all the minor league clubs work with the catchers and set up uh, defenses for all the teams around the minor leagues uh, with the Mariners organization Danny I'm going to talk to you about catching what's what was so fun about the job when you caught in the big leagues all those years well, I think it's just the the volume of work that you have back there, and and uh, you know there's never a dull moment, and, and each and every pitch is is so important. And I think uh, you know developing a strategy with your pitcher's strengths and and the hitter weaknesses, and and uh, understanding calling a game. And that, that that's that's the stuff that was the the most fun for me. And and of course, back in those days, you could get run over at home plate. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> but and I love that part of the game as well. But but uh, you know it's just being involved in every pitch, being involved. Uh, uh, with the pitch selection, being involved with what happens after the pitch. I mean, there's just everything that goes on. Uh, it, it involves what the catcher does back there, and, and uh, that's what makes the position for me so special. When does that process start about putting together a game plan? You're getting ready today to take on the Angels. When do you do all that? Well, it's the, you know, it starts before you know the game. It starts uh, as soon as this last series is over, you begin to prepare for this series. And and uh, you know you put together, uh, you know you, you figure out who's on that club, and you, you put together history that you've had with that club, and all the numbers and all the statistics, and and uh, who's hot, and and uh, you you compile it all, and and uh, put together your game plan with your pitching staff, and and uh, and then you, you come out here, you, you you play the game, you make the adjustments in game that you see from their hitters, and then you you come back the next night and you sit down with that starting pitcher and you start the process <laughs> all over again because this game is about adjustments, and yeah. and they're going to make adjustments to us and we're going to make adjustments to them and, and that's the way it goes round and round we go what's the toughest part of the job I think the toughest part for me is or for me was you know just the, the mental and physical demands of the position I think it's one thing to, to, to physically have a, a demanding position but then the, the mental uh, aspect of it the part that I loved but also adds an element of fatigue to it too and, and you come off the field pretty exhausted and and uh uh, I think the guys here, uh, you know, Chris Ionetta, Steve Clevenger, do such a good job of that and, and are very well prepared and, and, and handle that mental side of the game very, very well and, and the physical side as well. And, and uh, catchers come off the game, they're pretty tired, there's no question, but, but they leave it out there on the field and then that's what feels good about the position. Visiting with Dan Wilson here on Rick's Tips, and no question, it's the toughest job, I think, on the field of foul tips and the collisions. But that is, that's changed, as you just brought up a few minutes ago, about the collisions at home plate. But back in the day, that runner's coming around third base. You're looking at the outfielder, getting that ball and getting ready to throw it to you. How did you handle that situation to get it out at home plate and at the same time try to protect yourself? 
Well, for me, it was getting it was getting the out at home plate. I, you know, I, I think a lot of guys were willing to sacrifice their body and, and to prevent that run from scoring. And for me, it was just concentrating on the ball. If if you worried too much about the runner and took your eye off the ball, you you weren't going to be able to make the play anyway. And and uh, once you were able to feel like you had that ball pretty close and, and in hand, uh, then then you can go about getting yourself in front of that dish and and uh, trying to take it away from the runner. But uh, you know, the game has changed, and I get it. I understand why. And and you don't like to see guys hurt. Nobody likes to see anybody get hurt and I think the rule change has really helped I think you know guys you see guys sliding at home plate all the time now there aren't collisions at all hardly uh, so in, in some ways I think it's 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 been a good change guys are getting hurt less behind there on those kinds of plays uh, so the, the, the rule has done its job um, but it just happened to be one of the things that that some catchers really really enjoyed and and took pride in uh, you know preventing guys from scoring at home plate. What's the best advice you'd give to a kid who would like to catch? I think just understanding the physical and mental side of the game. I mean, I think that uh, there's both, and I don't think, uh, you know, just because you got a good arm and you can throw runners out doesn't mean you're going to make a good catcher, and that's what we talk about with the minor league kids all the time. It's it's about what you do behind the plate. It's how you lead the pitching staff. It's it's how you serve the players on that field, what you can do to help them, what what you can do to make everybody else better uh, is the attitude you got to take out there, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the main part of catching. I think one of the toughest things to do is blocking pitches in the dirt. I mean, you got Felix throwing that changeup that looks like a splitter. You had to catch uh, Kazuro Sasaki and also Norm Char- Charlton, who threw splitters in the dirt. Runner on third base, your job was to block that pitch. What's the correct way to do what you did so very well blocking pitches? I think the most important thing is is a lot of, you see a lot of young catchers try to catch that ball and uh, they, they use their glove to try to catch it the, the, you don't want to try to catch the ball you want to just block it, you want to just keep it in front of you and, and prevent that ball from getting by you and, and the balls in front of you are always going to have a chance, especially with a runner at third, you just got to keep it in front of you and, and uh, you know watch Chris Ionetta and, and Steve Clevenger they do a great job of that keeping the ball in front put that glove down on the five hole so it doesn't sneak underneath on occasion and uh you got to wear it wear it on the chest wear it on the chest protector um and and try to stay as relaxed as you can when your body's tense when it hits your arm it's going to shoot off there but if you can stay relaxed it kind of drops right in front of you and and that's right where you want it but got to be quick you got to keep it in front of you keep everything in front and and uh use that use that gear that you got on it to, to make the play What's it like to throw a runner out at second base trying to steal, and how did you do it? It's all about footwork first, isn't it? It is. It's about, it's, it's about footwork and, and, and a good quick release. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of the greatest feelings. It might be greater than hitting a home run, to be honest with you, if you ask a catcher. But, but uh, you know, I think getting a good pitch to, to throw on, getting time to throw, uh, and I think the pitching staff here does a great job of that, giving catchers a, a chance to throw guys out. But using that quick feet, and uh, getting rid of the ball and, and uh, being accurate. I think it's important that, you know, you see a lot of guys, when a runner gets a good jump, they try to become something they're not. And, and, and staying with with who you are and, and putting on a good, accurate throw down at second base, you'll get your share of guys. And the other good piece of advice for kids, go out there and have fun. Put on the equipment and enjoy it. That's right. That's It's the best position on the field. There's no question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it is. Go out there, have some fun with it. I tell you what, you were great at it all those years in a Mariners uniform, and you're doing a great job now in the organization. Dan, thanks a lot for being our guest. Rick, as you know, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> August the 24th, 1995, when it all began. 
The Mariners started the day 11 and a half games behind the California Angels and were beginning a four-game series with the New York Yankees at the Kingdom. It was a Thursday afternoon with not that many, 17,592 in attendance, and the Yankees led 7-6 going into the bottom of the ninth. Yankees closer John Wetland came in to save it for the Bronx Bombers and retired the first two hitters he faced. Remember, two out, so what? Well, this is where it all began. Vince Coleman got it started with a walk. He stole second and third and was driven in by a Joey Cora single to tie it. And then Junior, who had been on the disabled list from May the 27th to August the 15th, almost three months with a fractured wrist, stepped to the plate. There goes Joey, the pitch, swung on that Nelson! Deep to right field, the Mariners have done it! Fly away! Junior with a two-run home run! The Mariners win it 9-7! to seven. My, oh my! He had never hit a bigger one. In fact, it was the first walk-off homer of his career. The Mariners went on to take three of four from the Yankees and then hit the road and just kept on winning. They went on to have a September to remember with 19 electrifying wins and managed to force a one-game playoff for the Angels that catapulted them to their first-ever taste of the postseason and turned Seattle upside down with excitement. We had never experienced anything like it before, but we certainly hope to again. I'm Dave Niehaus.